the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, and uh, good to be with you. Hope you had a a great weekend, and uh, let's get right to it. ProAmericaReport.com, by the way, ProAmericaReport.com. Some folks find my emails go to your spam folder. So if you go to ProAmericaReport.com, sign up for the daily email. It's called The Wink, what you need to know. Some go to your spam, so check your spam. Also, someone, a friend of mine, um, actually lives in Italy, who likes getting the wink every day, and he stopped getting it, and he said, can you put me back on the list? I did. And he still didn't get it. And somehow he was being uh, unsubscribed. I don't really know what to think. He had Hotmail was his service. I don't really understand. So anyway, if you're having trouble, if you're not getting it every day, there's an email going out every single day. Uh, that's what you need to know. It goes out 8 a.m. East Coast time, 5 a.m. Pacific time. And uh, you should be getting that. So go to ProAmericaReport.com and sign on Pro, bam, proamericareport.com and sign up there for that. Uh, today, we will talk with the great Roger Stone. We'll talk with Roger Stone about his situation, about how they're targeting people, how uh, whenever you need to get some clicks on your uh, on your uh, article, add Roger Stone, add Mike Flynn. This was what you do. Crazy system. We'll also talk with uh, Rick Meta. Uh, Dr. Rick Mehta, he's a doctor of pharmacy and a lawyer, uh, as well as involved in politics, running for office up in New Jersey. But he's a Georgetown health law professor, and he's going to talk about telemedicine abortions and give us some background on that. So we've got all that coming, uh, as uh, you will see, and uh, jump in there. All right. Now, speaking of medicine, I am not a doctor. I am married to a doctor. And my doctor wife has for five years, way before the, t- the 2020 election, she was talking about Joe Biden facing challenges that many uh, men and women in their late 70s face. And so she said that she said, I, I can't believe they're not talking about this, whatever. And my wife did not say she's a geriatrics physician. She did not say, I mean, she obviously said she couldn't diagnose him. You know, she didn't see him. But just what she saw, there was the symptoms or the uh, or the uh, uh, the uh, slip ups and, and uh, the problems and the issues. She just thought there's something going on. But she, like a lot of people, they did not want to say that publicly and she wouldn't know she's not involved in politics, but lots of doctors remember, remember when doctors were uh, put on TV and they all said, Oh yeah, Donald Trump, you should invoke the 25th amendment. He, he should be clearly, he's not mentally there. And they didn't know they had no problem diagnosing that without seeing the guy, which is a no, no, it's a no, no, right? If you're actually not examining the patient, you're not supposed to diagnose things. Well, now you, until about the last month, you would get no comment out of everybody on this question of Biden's mental state. And suddenly the New York Times has a front page piece. All the different people are talking. What's going on here? Well, it's the same thing that I predicted to you a long time ago. I probably about a year ago, I said, when it becomes convenient, they will begin to cover the issues in fact, uh, uh, that, that surround Biden because they'll want to get him to not run. In fact, one of the things that I thought was an indication of this even before, uh, well, let me stop. One of the things that I thought was an indication that the establishment in the Democrat Party and in general did not want him to run was the beginnings, was the coverage of the Hunter Biden laptop over the last three months. When there actually was 
mainstream media saying, yeah, that was a laptop and there was lots on there. And that continues. But the more telling detail is that after years, three and a half, four years of significant reason to at least ask the question, and no one did, it's now become clear that the media and the, and the Democrats are going to talk about Biden's health. And once you do that a little bit, it's, it's pretty much all over electorally because it's not the kind of thing that you kind of explain away if you've really got issues. In other words, you can't go out. If somebody says you got a bad back, you can be videotaped shooting hoops or riding your bike and people say, well, he might, maybe has a bad back, but he's doing fine. If you have declining mental capacity and ability to be agile and up for the job, you can't fix that except by being out in front of people where it shows that you're not agile. It's a, tra- it's a trap, but it's a deadly trap. It's a, it, it's a trap that works. And so what you're seeing is the beginning of the end of Joe Biden's presidency in the sense that, that he will have a decision after the, after the uh, coming election. He'll say, you know, I'm in my late 70s. I'm about to turn 80. You know, I, I've done a good thing. It's time to turn it over to younger people. He'll probably say, and I call upon uh, Donald Trump not to run because he's in his late 70s too. You know, we should all let younger people go. He'll probably do that because he'll be carrying water for the establishment. But you can, you can definitely write the headline that will start coming in November after the election, this coming election, there'll be headlines that say, we need candidates for president in their 60s and 50s, not their 70s. It'll be a way to get rid of Trump and Biden at the same time. And that's coming. That's coming. And so the question becomes, what happens after that? I mean, Joe Biden's approval rating by one estimation is in the 30s, 37, 38, maybe 39. It could have been 39. It's as low as anybody's ever had it. That's the bottom, right? There's 35 or 40% of the people that will never, ever vote against their party. If, if, let me say it more differently. Let me say it more specifically. There are 35 to 40% of the American voting public that will never say that they're against their party nomination or their party's candidate. They just won't do it. Same thing with Trump. So that's the floor. He's, he's pinned to the floor, Joe Biden. He's down at the bottom of the floor and he's stumbling. And as they highlight the stumbles, there's no path back. They've done a similar thing. And I I think she probably did it to herself. You know, Kamala Harris ran for president and got no votes, literally got like no electoral votes and got just a few thousand votes. She was not popular. And she's now so unpopular with Biden. So what happens? What's coming? Well, you can see it a mile away. I've said this before. I've been predicting this for ages. Gavin Newsom, come on down. Maybe somebody like Amy Klobuchar, maybe a billionaire like Pritzker, the governor of Illinois, but he's he's kind of fat and old and doesn't look like shining. You're going to want they're going to the Democrats will coalesce around a candidate to win and the candidate to win will need to have the broadest appeal counterintuitively to what looks like Republicans. So you're going to have to have somebody who's sort of acceptable the way he looks or she looks to a broader swath. Gavin Newsom, very pretty wife bunch of kids. He's a handsome guy. He looks like Kennedy kind of thing. He's got all that going for him. He's not old and broken and addled. So Gavin Newsom, come on down. I mean, it's coming. Buttigieg will run. He can't win. Um, You know, there's just no way. There'll be other uh, 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 senators that will try to get into it. Cory Booker may try again. He won't win. I mean, it's it's a but as I have said to you before, the real civil war in the politics of this moment is in the, in the Democratic Party. 
It's in the Democratic Party where lots and lots of people, there's some polling out of Rhode Island in one of the congressional districts that went to Biden by uh, last time it would have, it's redrawn. But if, if you, if you look at who was in there now, went to Biden by 20 plus points, he's in the, he's in the twenties now. And they're saying it's competitive for a Republican. So you're seeing a whole bunch of people that are looking up and saying, I can't be a part of that woke party. It's gone away from me and I don't want to be there. And then the question becomes, can they become Republicans? Are there people that are going to look up and say, I, I'll be a Republican, which let me just go ahead and predict something else. Guaranteed the Republicans have on their ticket guaranteed in uh, in 2024, an African-American and a woman guaranteed one of those two. I guess I can't say both, but certainly I would say I, I, I'd actually bet almost I'd say 75 percent chance there's an African-American on the ticket and probably 75, 75 percent chance there's a woman, too. That's just what's going to happen because of the way that and, and then you're going to look up and you're going to say, ah, that African-American man or woman who's a VP candidate, maybe presidential candidate is talking about jobs and talking about opportunity and talking about schools. I, I want that. And a whole bunch of people who called themselves Democrats until this Biden era are going to go away. They're going to drift away. That's what it looks like to me. All right. We got to take a break. Well, don't forget, by the way, that's what you need to know. Today's wink, what you need to know. And don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up there for all of the, uh, for the weekly, the daily, the daily email comes out 8 a.m. East Coast, 5 a.m. Pacific time. And don't forget also visit PhyllisSchlafway.com and uh, follow all our great work over there. We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. It's been too long since I caught up with my old friend, Roger Stone. Roger, I will tell you, my um, my sons remembered. We were in D.C. the other day when we went over to Mass, uh, when I don't know, six months, a year ago, whenever it was, with you and your wife. And and the, we went past that church, which we don't usually go to. And the kids, my son said, remember when we were there? And I said, not really. And he said, yeah, it was with Roger Stone. And I said, oh, there you go. So we, he remembered it well. And I, I then went back and found the photo. So Roger Stone, of course, is a longtime uh, political activist, I'd say, someone who cares about the country and has found lots of ways to contribute. Right now, if you want to support Roger, because he is like the he's like the number one guy when a, uh, when an article doesn't get clicks, they throw his name in and allege something. And and of course, people sue him all the time. Go to stonedefensefund.com, stonedefensefund.com, because he's not um, he's not one of these um, ridiculously rich guys that has fun playing around. He's a normal guy. So welcome back, Roger. How are you? Ed, great to be back with you. So, Roger, broadly, you've been around a long time, broadly, not even about politics, very broad, 50,000-foot view. What's America? What's happening in America? Is it is it different than the media makes us feel, or is it really? What is? What's going on in America right now? Uh, extraordinary piece in the Associated Press today. I remember the days when the Associated Press just you know, dispassionately reported the news. That's no longer the case. Um, they tell us that uh, America is collapsing because uh, Americans no longer believe the government, no longer believe science, uh, no longer believe in our institutions, and that we're dissolving into conspiracy theories. And of course, it's the exact opposite of what has happened. Um, the Democrats have taken power. They are running the country and they're running it into the ground whether you look at foreign policy or domestic policy, between gas prices, 
food shortages, record inflation. They are destroying a model economy, the most robust, strongest economy in our history, brought to us by Donald Trump. Uh, they're humiliating us around the globe. We, we leave billions of dollars of equipment on the ground in Afghanistan, plus the blood of 13 Americans. Uh, we are shipping 40 billion, and that's just a down payment, to Ukraine while we can't spend 5.7 million to seal our own southern border. We have a, a fentanyl crisis in the country where drugs are more uh, easily found than baby formula. Uh, and they seek to distract all of us from all of this with this manic attack uh, uh, on President Donald Trump regarding January 6th and the post-election period. Tomorrow's hearing of the January 6th committee is going to recycle for the third time the false contention that General Flynn or I knew about in advance, uh, participated in, or condoned any illegal act at the Capitol on January 6th. It's a lie. There is no email, no text message, no encrypted message, no documentary footage, uh, no, no witness nothing. No nothing. who can substantiate nothing. It's just, it is a fraud. Uh, but as you point out, at this point in my life, I'm clickbait. You know, if you yeah. attack Roger Stone, you'll, you will get clicks. And maybe you can get a prosecutor to reexamine yet again the fact that the whole thing is guilt by association. It is, uh, it's maddening. It's really maddening and it's uh, expensive from a legal point of view. Uh, we're talking with Roger Stone, and again, uh, visit his uh, the website to support him, stonedefensefund.com, stonedefensefund.com. He and his wife, I was talking off the air, his wife who had some health issues is doing better now. Um, so we will, again, we don't need to talk about your family for obvious reasons. But um, Roger, uh, when the, Jeffrey Clark, is that his name? The assistant attorney general uh, was, he had his house searched the other day. A lot of reference was made to the fact that they showed up. It was early morning. He was in his boxer shorts and a shirt getting dressed. I, I Foolishly, in my mind, he he, he walked out of the house like that. He probably could have said, hey, I'm going to get some clothes on. But but there, but but there CNN was and the AP and everyone to take pictures and all reminiscent of the original to me, the original where y- your house was raided and CNN was there kind of setting up before the raid. Right. I mean, again, uh, now we're four. How many years ago was that? We're years into this. And it's two, two years ago. It's, it, these are the same. Uh, these are the same bully boy tactics that were used against me. Yeah. Um, in my case. You know, on November 3rd, 2020, at midnight, the Justice Department finally releases the the long hidden, long redacted sections of Mueller's final report in which he admits that he found no evidence against me whatsoever regarding Russian collusion, WikiLeaks collaboration, or the right. phishing and publication of John Podesta's email. So what, what was it I was convicted of? Lying to Congress to cover up for Donald Trump in the Russian collusion matter, which did not exist. How do you get convicted of lying about something that did not Didn't happen? Yeah. And of course, none of those news organizations that for two and a half years vilify me as a traitor and a Russian spy, none of them report, with the exception of BuzzFeed, my vindication. Uh, and even today, I can't walk through an airport without people accusing me of being a traitor or even worse, an insurrectionist, despite the fact that I wasn't at the Capitol on January 6th, didn't wasn't on the the ellipse didn't march to the Capitol, literally know nothing about it. Went to DC to make a speech on the fifth, which I made. I stand by that speech. I didn't advocate any uh, lawlessness or insurrection or illegal activity. Um, but we do as Americans still, at least temporarily 
have the right to question the results of the last election. We have a constitutional right to ask that question. Uh, evidently, the left does not think so. Uh, again, we're talking Roger Stone. Roger, does the um, does the January 6th Select Committee, I'm one of the few people that argues uh, to my friends and others that it's more effective than people realize in the sense that for 30 or 40 million people, they, just, they keep hearing something like there were Watergate hearings and then there's the Select Committee and they just associate it as if it's something legitimate. A- and I think that more with the media's help and big tech's help, it's it feels and sounds legitimate when it says as fraudulent as any. If you and I had a committee and formed the Ed and Roger Committee and started holding hearings, it would have as much seriousness and credibility, probably more than that. But I do think it's kind of effective. I think it's actually effective at dragging down and also tying up lots of people. Well, the target's Donald Trump. Let's be very clear. The, 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 the political establishment is petrified about the possibility that they may have to face Donald Trump at the polls again. Uh, and they're seeking to short circuit that by fabricating some crime. And the, just the fact that these hearings which is an entirely one-sided proceeding. There's no cross-examination. There's no, there's no examination of, of other evidence. Where's the footage of Ashley Babbitt, the right. decorated, unarmed Air Force combat veteran being, being shot and killed in cold blood without warning? She's not armed. She's not menacing anyone, but she's murdered. They give a medal to the guy who killed her. Where's the footage uh, of Roseanne Boyland, who was sprayed with some kind of chemical agent and literally bludgeoned to death uh, with baton with a baton? Where's that footage? Or where's the cross-examination of Ray Epps, the, clearly an FBI provocateur who can be seen on video urging people into the to the uh, the Capitol? So, but you are right. Just the wall-to-wall coverage from the three networks plus the two cable giants render this entire, you know, one-sided, elaborately produced television spectacle to be effective. It's very, very much like the Senate Watergate Committee hearings, which were completely one-sided. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, our guest is Roger Stone. If you go to uh, his website, stonedefensefund.com, actually, that's the defense fund, that's the legal defense fund there, and support him. Uh, please do that. Uh, will it work on Trump? As you say, the target's really Trump. But will it work at, at a certain point? Will Trump say, you know what, this isn't worth it. I'm going to go be bigger than the politics or I, I'm not going to bother or will it? Do you think it's do you think it's going to work? Well, I, I hope not. I mean, remember when he was on Twitter, he had uh, 88 million followers today on his platform True socially is about 3.3 million. So even he is hurt very badly by the by the cancel culture, by the by the fact that for the first time in American history, all of our mass communications, television, cable, radio, print, internet, uh, is censored and controlled. And therefore, it, even the president has difficulty uh, getting out the, the counterattack, getting out his defense uh, and his counter assault. Uh, so it makes it difficult, but he's a fighter. I do not expect him to give up on the country. I know watching what's happening to the country is killing him as a patriot. I mean, he brought this country to extraordinary heights of, of uh, economic prosperity and peace uh, and uh, was bringing our troops home from abroad. The most successful presidency probably in my lifetime, surprisingly, because mm-hmm. I lived under some great presidents, Reagan, uh, Eisenhower, Nixon, so on. Uh, yet they, they are, they're manic. They're 
hysterical in their hatred for him. I mean, they're now running the country. They have things their way. You would think that they would be satisfied, but they want nothing less than his destruction and the destruction of anyone associated with him. And unfortunately for me, that includes me. I'm a 42-year friend and loyal supporter of the president. And therefore, I have tens of thousands of dollars worth of legal bills. Because right. as you point out, I, I have, I, I've had 17 totally bogus, unsubstantiated harassment civil lawsuits filed against my wife and I. And you have to defend them because if you don't, then you, they enter a default judgment against you. They're all highly sensationalized. They're also all baseless. But I have no choice but to continue to fight them. So people say, oh, Jones asking for money again. I really don't have any choice. There is not a month in which my legal fees combined with my wife's uninsured medical expenses, because she's recovering from stage four cancer and, and through the healing power of Jesus Christ, she's doing extraordinarily well, mm-hmm. but there's not a single month in which our expenses don't exceed the amount that I make working as hard as I possibly can. So when I ask people for help, uh, it's not because I'm profiteering. It's because I have no choice. Um, uh, StoneDefenseFund.com, StoneDefenseFund.com. Uh, last question. When you look at a House and Senate, if it goes Republican, uh, don't don't tell me you don't believe they'll do the right thing, because I think you and I probably could spend a couple hours believing that they won't do the right thing. But if you had to pick out, say, two members of the House and two members of the Senate that could be leaders for this moment that could step up and be kind of use their bully pulpit. Cause even if it's speaker, so-and-so that McCarthy that doesn't have the guts, some of the members are going to have a chairmanship and other things where they can actually do it. Who, who's your top two house members, top two senators that could really, I mean, right now it feels like the president's president Trump is losing the, the, the wingmen in public life almost every day. You know, they're, they're, they're falling away because they're reading the, the uh, January 6th select committee junk. So who, Two, one, two House members, two senators. You say, hey, these guys will fight. Very, very tough uh, in the House, because I think the people you refer to are yet to be elected. But, for okay. example, if Laura Loomer were to succeed in Florida, which I believe she will, and Laura Loomer for Congress, if you want to help her, because she needs the help. She's taking on a veteran rhino, who I think she's going to beat. But she is the kind of person who I would hope to see emerge. Uh, R.J. Majewski running in Ohio, wow. the kind of person I would like to see emerge. In the Senate, my guess is the, the people we, we need to look to leadership for, Rand Paul, Josh Hawley, they're already there. Yeah, uh, I would hope that, that, that their numbers would be swelled by, say, Blake Masters in uh, Arizona, for example. Yeah. Um, but the key there is, in both houses, to have a subgroup of patriots, solid America first men and women, um, who will use their leverage with the rhino leadership to ensure um, that we use the same tactics on the left that have been used against us. There's massive criminality within this administration. Uh, there's massive abuse of the process by Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats, and it has to be examined. Yeah. All right. Roger Stone, everybody. Thank you, Roger, as always. And again, stonedefensefund.com, stonedefensefund.com. Support Roger. And we'll talk again soon, Roger. Thanks for everything. Ed, great to be with you again. God bless you. All right. Roger Stone, everybody. And we'll take a break and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. 
Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Pro-America Report. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com. All these great interviews with folks that we have on the show. You can go there and uh, and listen again. And you can listen again to the programs. You can pass them on others. There's standalone links, all different kinds of things. And especially sign up for the daily email, the wink, what you need to know. The daily email goes out 8 a.m. East Coast time. Gives you a few of the key things to understand that you may or may not have heard of in the media. Our next guest is uh, Rick Meta. Rick Meta is a biotech uh, entrepreneur. He's been in business. He's been uh, uh, in various different levels involved. He's also an attorney uh, and uh, started out as his career, I think you'd say, started out with a pharmacy degree, a doctorate in pharmacy, uh, and uh, has uh, played a lot of different roles, including uh, and especially uh, been a a candidate for U.S. Senate in 2020, um, which, as the late Phyllis Schlafly used to say, uh, Dr. Meta, that if you can't run for office and lose, you learn everything. If you run and win, sometimes you forget what you learn because you now think you're really smart. And he is uh, currently a Georgetown University uh, health law professor. So, uh, Dr. Meta, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm doing well. Ed. Thanks so much for having me on. You know, we saw I saw you on Fox News. You've been out uh, speaking as an expert in with all this background in health care and health law. Um and I should say, by the way, I went to St. Louis University Law School, where we have some great health law professors, including great Sandy Johnson. I'm not even sure she's still teaching there. But um, so I really appreciate this, especially uh, with you at Georgetown. Uh, but I saw one of the topics is telemedicine and abortion. So first of all, how do we look at the telemedicine move? Many Americans, more conservative, say, hey, great, telemedicine opens up opportunities for me because I'm more conservative. I live in rural areas or I'm more conservative and I want to find uh, physicians who are credentialed, not like they're quacks, but they're credentialed, but they may be more sympathetic to some of the approaches I have to uh, COVID and COVID treatment. So a lot of more conservative people said, yeah, okay, telemedicine might work. Now the shoe is on the other foot as I think the more liberal folks are saying, oh, yeah, we're going to use telemedicine for diagnosing abortion and uh, and proceeding. Am I missing the sort of um, conflicting interests here? Yeah, it's a, it's a great point, um, something that's been developing. So a couple of things that we should unpack here. First, uh, telemedicine, or which is now known as virtual care, was something that predated COVID. Uh, okay. and there was a big push uh, by both administrations, both the Trump administration uh, and into the Biden administration to allow for greater reimbursement, which made sense. You had uh, elderly, you know, aging population. They are now becoming more technologically sound. They want to see their doctors. They don't necessarily want to go into the office to visit. It made sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happened with COVID is that it completely accelerated the use of virtual care, moving so many procedures and, and other follow routine follow into the standard practice of not seeing a doctor in person and moving it to remote access through video conferencing right. or right. phone calls. And it, what's going on now with abortion, and to unpack that a little bit, there's two types of abortions, right? There's surgical abortions, the one we know where you go into and have a procedure um, and uh, remove the uh, uh, unborn uh, child. And then you have uh, what we call medication-induced abortion. In fact, in 2020 and 2021, medication-induced abortions outpaced surgical abortion, which is simply the involvement of taking two prescription drugs, mifeprestone um, and uh, mifeprostol, and uh, inducing a, a, a miscarriage uh, in, in the pregnant mother, uh, and, uh, and then uh, aborting out the uh, baby that way. Uh, and so what's happening now is that what, with the um, overturning of Roe v. Wade, it's fantastic, 
uh, news uh, in order to empower state rights again. Uh, states that have you know now uh, made abortion illegal, they're turning to other uh, healthcare providers and prescribers to prescribe via telemedicine visits uh, these uh, medications for home use uh, of people who want to do self-managed uh, abortions. Again, we're talking with Dr. Rick Maida, and may I pause and take one digression and, and your expertise. You also worked at the FDA. Um, one thing that did happen in COVID was mailing drugs through the U.S. mail became, or I guess that was always possible to mail certain drugs, but in the case of the uh, abort- abortion drugs, they got approval to mail those during the COVID, I think, right? And it was meant to be emergency um, and then a Biden administration has said, yeah, we'll just keep doing that. I mean, one part of this is that it, when it comes to abortion, telemedicine is really a diagnosis of pregnancy, right? That's what you have to do is figure out how to say, is the person pregnant or not, which is a relatively simple procedure. But then it's the next step, which is mailing uh, drugs through the mail, which becomes even more problematic, right? Absolutely. And so the FDA had restrictions on the mailing. In fact, they had what we call a risk evaluation and mitigation strategy. It's a fancy way for FDA to say, these are drugs that we think are very high risk. And the labeling alone, the drugs label alone is not sufficient for prescribers to communicate that risk to patients. And so there's additional steps we need uh, prescribers to do before prescribing that drug. And specifically, they have to get certified through the manufacturers and the process for prescribing the drug and do an in-site, on-site, right. in-person visit. I see. And so in 2021, FDA completely removed those restrictions, uh, those requirements, uh, which were otherwise meant to keep uh, the safe use of the drug. Uh, and by removing those restrictions, allowed for the free selling uh, through the mail of these uh, these products and making available, setting the basically the trajectory for uh, telemedicine visits and allowing for you know these virtual care visits on abortions and then mailing the uh, abortion drugs later to the to the woman. So yeah, it certainly creates a more unsafe practice uh, in in my opinion, and it was pretty surprising uh, reversal by the Biden FDA. Well, and again, we're, we're talking with uh, uh, Dr. Rick Maida, um, expert on health law, a lawyer himself, worked to the FDA. Um, is, the, uh, is the future um, in the states and can it be in the states to regulate prescriptions? Can a state say uh, you can't mail into my state a drug? Is that a possible, you know, I'm, I'm Missouri, where I'm, which I'm most familiar, you know, had a trigger law. And so within an hour of the Dobbs decision, the attorney general of Missouri uh, said, Eric Schmidt said, hey, we're, we're banning abortion here. That's the law now. Um, but can you pass a law that says don't send these drugs into my state? Um, I think there's I think we're dealing with a sort of federal and uh, state law problem, right? Yeah, well, that, this is where it gets interesting from a legal and I think from a legal perspective, I think we're going to see this start to evolve in the coming months. Uh, you know, the power to uh, regulate the practice of medicine, meaning the prescription authority, uh, right. retains with the state. It's the police power under the 10th Amendment, which is highly guarded and highly protected as a matter of state rights. Okay. And so in order to practice telemedicine, a doctor actually has to be licensed in the state where the patient is. So for example, if you have a patient in Missouri now seeing a doctor who's in, let's say, the liberal uh, state of New Jersey where I'm from, uh, that doctor who's sitting in New Jersey still has to hold a Missouri license to practice medicine there. Uh, and so it could come down to attorney general saying, well, we're going to either start to revoke those licenses if they start to use it to, you know, use telemedicine to further 
the uh, to further abortion through televisits. Um, so it will be interesting to see, but certainly the states can continue to retain the power to regulate doctors in those states and regulate the way prescriptions uh, prescriptions are written, uh, despite FDA making it more widely available. What would be the uh, what would be again, Dr. Rick made a, a Georgetown law professor and uh, and a pharmacist as well as uh, an entrepreneur and other things. Um, what would you say is the policy if you're if you're pro life and you're in a pro life state or a more conservative state and you say you know we want to regulate telemedicine? I don't. Can you re- can you regulate? I guess. Well, I'll just say it. I'll open more open ended. What would you do? What are the steps you would take to say, hey, we're gonna we're gonna um, for the purposes, I guess, of health and uh, and protection uh, of individuals, we're going to regulate telemedicine. How, how would you do that, or how could you do that? What are the options? Well, the first thing is attorney generals need to get smarter on the way boards of medicine work and function. Uh, some states, the, the medical boards sit under the attorney general, like for example, the state of New Jersey, uh, and in other states, there's standalone uh, groups or uh, administrative boards uh, that may sit under health departments and. Uh, being able to rein that in to say, this is what the definition of the practice of medicine for my state is, uh, and respecting whatever the policy of the, of the land of the law, the law of the land is, uh, would be the first step. And attorney generals can work with the medical boards in order to institute more regulatory practice standards around the practice of medicine and make sure that, you know, the, if, if abortions are on exceptions allowed or if they're not allowed, they can enforce those rules and regulations. The other thing we're going to continue to see is whether the Biden administration is really going to make a push to overturn the Hyde Amendment, which basically right. stopped the use of federal funds for abortion. So you now we'll have uh, organizations like Planned Parenthood and others who collect federal funds. Um, and, uh, you know, the question will be, will they start to move towards the practice of telemedicine right. in states that have now outlawed surgical abortions uh, and then start to put restrictions on medical abortions? Now, could you could states stop the incoming of, of medicines and stop the distributions of medicine? No, that will still be within the FDA's purview and under the Federal Interstate Commerce Clause. But what states can do is regulate the practice of medicine. Hey, the, we're talking with, uh, and I think um, Rick Ameda, Dr. Rick Ameda, I think one of the things we'd say is we don't really know yet, right? I mean, this is one of the things that after Dobbs, now let's go see what we can do. Here's one more question I'll ask you. I've had a, I had a listener uh, text me about this. Um, if it's true that at a hospital, we regulate the, um, the management of uh, bio waste, Right. If you you don't throw away the uh, for for graphic image, you don't throw away an amputated, uh, you know, uh, cancerous leg. You don't throw it away. You, you handle it as bio waste. It, isn't it true that do it yourself abortions at home that are any time after about eight weeks will have a pretty significant, um, you know, waste. You know, they'll, they'll, we call it a baby, but they'll call it bio waste. And I know the comeback is, well, that's what happens with miscarriages too. But when you're actually running a miscarriage could be characterized as, as accidental or at least in its origin accidental, meaning you didn't plan the timing of it. When you actually do a procedure, the standard of maintenance of, of bio waste, biohazard, I think it goes up. Isn't that something that could be regulated too? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I think states will start looking at new regulatory frameworks uh, around this. Was it a self-induced, self-managed medication abortion, which you now take prescription medicines on your own? In fact, 
Uh, it's actually very dangerous. Uh, there have been calls by organizations to even go overseas and uh, start to source some of these uh, abortifacient medications uh, right. from overseas, which we know is very dangerous. You don't know what you're getting, which country it's coming from, how it's regulated, and what's actually in the tablets you get. Uh, but on top of that, yeah, you can look at other regulatory frameworks, whether it's regulating, uh, like, like you said, the, the bio waste, which we call babies, um, or you regulate the actual health facilities or the, the self-management, whether or not you consider that an actual uh, procedure. Uh, so, yeah, there's going to be new ways of which states, I think, will start to look at regulatory frameworks to make sure uh, that the practice isn't abused uh, and that it's uh, creating an environment that's, uh, that's safe uh, for, for patients. Uh, folks that would like to kind of be in touch with you, follow your stuff. Is is there a website or a, a, a place for them to go? Uh, we're talking again with Dr. Rick Meta. Is there a place we can tell people to check you out? Is it Twitter or uh, or online? Yeah, you can catch me on all social media forums and follow along this as this is developing. You can go to Rick Meta. That's R I K M E H T A underscore N J on Twitter or Rick Meta on my Facebook page uh, or RickMeta.com. Okay, great. I'll put that up on social media. Uh, thank you, uh, Dr. Rick Maida, again, professor at Georgetown Law, a pharmacist, a businessman, and uh, someone who knows the politics, too. So we appreciate it. We'll have you back again very soon. Uh, thank you very much. It's my pleasure. Thank you. All right, everybody, we will take a quick break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, presenting a daily conservative pro-family perspective since 1983 and continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Dr. Anthony Fauci has demanded mandatory vaccination, but recently the federal government has had to reverse its recommendation for the Johnson & Johnson vaccine because of the severe injuries it apparently causes. Federal agencies finally admitted to 60 confirmed cases of a deadly clotting disorder associated with the vaccine. The chant so often heard by public health authorities of anecdotal and no evidence of harm caused by COVID vaccine finally stopped as the government confirmed nine deaths from this vaccine's adverse effect. It took the federal government more than a year to admit to this vaccine-related harm after it had been identified in early April 2021 but deliberately ignored by the Biden administration. Despite being fully vaccinated with boosters, New York Democrat Governor Kathy Hochul tweeted to the public that she tested positive for COVID. Cases have recently risen in New York to high rates not seen yet this year. Hochul's case is just one of many where fully vaccinated individuals have tested positive. Yet many on the left would like nothing more than to remove the freedom of choice from individuals who choose to rely on natural immunity instead. Against this backdrop, a new $10 billion spending bill for COVID has stalled in Congress. As congressional leaders instead focus on sending four times as much money as that to the corrupt government of Ukraine. It remains to be seen how members of Congress will explain to voters this fall that they prioritize sending money to perpetuate a distant war before helping Americans against COVID. Have you noticed how often it seems like the world gets wrapped up in one crisis after another? Whether it's COVID, inflation, Ukraine, or something else, the political class always has some emergency on their hands. Don't think that this is a coincidence. Wartime presidents always win. So as long as politicians have something to fight against, they know they'll do better at the ballot box. I'm not trying to minimize the threats we face as a nation. In fact, it's quite the contrary. Our nation's problems are too great to trust solely to the government. Our most important focus in every crisis must be to preserve individual liberty 
including vaccine choice. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. In 2016, the conservative movement lost one of our strongest leaders, but Mrs. Schlafly's work and her voice continue through this radio program, our work in Washington, and the influence you have in your own community. Be part of that legacy at phyllisschlafly.com. We encourage you to bookmark phyllisschlafly.com. And join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, We are uh, wrapping things up today. Just got a couple minutes. Let me say, uh, first of all, uh, tomorrow we're going to talk with um, Armstrong Williams. Armstrong Williams uh, is on the program tomorrow, and he's got a column out. He writes a column over at The Hill, hill thehill.com. I'll put it up on social media. It's pretty good. It's really good. It's about um, Hillary Clinton said how uh, Justice Thomas uh, was always an aggrieved guy or some nonsense. She knew him in law school. Of course, I think he was a couple of years behind her in law school, didn't really know her. And um, the uh, and and anyway, Armstrong Williams writes a great column. He knows uh, Clarence Thomas for decades and decades, and uh, it's it's great. So I will put that up on social media. Take a look at that and look forward. If you look at that, then uh, we'll be talking with Armstrong Williams tomorrow. So again, thehill.com, armstrongwilliams.com is his website. And this column, this column his uh, recent column is really great. So all right, let me uh, thank you. Excuse me. Let me thank our, um, our great uh, producer, Uh, Noah Dingley, as well as our associate producer, Joanna Spilger, and you for listening. And don't forget, please visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and follow all that's going on. Sign up for the daily email and all the rest. Thanks for listening. Be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.